Good morning. So, here's kind of a funny thing I want to tell you guys about. Dave is up in, uh, in the UP of, of uh, Michigan right now, and he's probably online. So, hi, Dave. Everyone's turn around just wave at the camera back there real quick so Dave knows we're all here. Um, but Dave started this series that he wanted us to do right now that's called The Worship-Centered Life. And usually when Dave does a series, he wants to be the one that kicks it off. He wants to be the one who's doing uh, kind of the lead into everything. But this is the one series when he planned it, he actually came up to me and said, I just really want you to do the sermon. And I thought, awesome, Dave's actually going to be here while I preach. <laughs> well, that didn't happen. I'm just kidding. No, Dave, I'm excited for what Dave's doing. Dave's actually up in Michigan right now, and he is teaching. Um, he's at a family camp teaching about marriage and teaching about healthy marriages. And I, that's something that Dave has so much great knowledge on. And I'm excited for what he's doing up there. Um, but it is kind of funny. This is the one time I thought he'd be here, and he's not. So it's just kind of funny more than anything else. But uh, I am excited to talk to you guys today. I'm very excited to talk to you guys today because... I get to talk about a sermon that I have been working over in my head for about 15 years. This is a sermon I have preached in my car. I've preached it in the shower. I've preached it to my four-year-old who looked really confused at the time. I've preached it pretty much everywhere you can think of, just sharing this thought that worship is more than music. It's more than music. And so if you've got your Bibles with you today, I want you to go ahead and open those up to Romans chapter 12 and just stay there. We are not leaving Romans 12 this entire sermon. We're going to be there the whole time. The question we need to ask today, if worship is not just music, then what is worship? What is it? Because if we're going to say it's not just music, then we have to know what that is. So we're going to go ahead and start reading in verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, sing me a really good song. It doesn't say music. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. D.A. Carson said, Worship is the proper response of all moral, sentient beings to God, ascribing all honor and worth to their creator God, precisely because he is worthy and delightfully so. That's why our main thing today is, we cheapen worship when we limit it to a weekly song service. I can't tell you guys enough how big of a deal this is for me. I'm going to let you in on a little secret about John Kelly, okay? This is something that's kind of been a joke with the worship team for a while. They've all known this, and I talk about it pretty openly. I love leading worship. I love getting to be in here with you guys and leading worship. I think it's awesome. That's not the secret. The secret is I kind of don't like music. I'm being dead serious. If you were to ride with me on a trip, like a long trip, and it's just me and you going for a road trip, I will listen to podcasts. I will listen to sports radio. I rarely ever put on music. Three weeks ago, I pulled up my acoustic guitar for the first time in five years and played it at my house. 
Music has been such a big part of my life for so long that back in 2018, I got completely burned out on it. And I just don't enjoy it the way I used to. And I know you're probably thinking, them, why are you leading worship? <laughs> right? Because worship isn't music. Okay? And, and that's what I really want you guys to understand today. Worship is not music. Music can be worship, but worship is not music. Are we tracking so far on that? Because that's going to continue through this whole thing. See, there are barriers to worship. There are things that keep us from being able to worship outside of music. There are things that, there's one thing that keeps us away from that. And it's a very simple thing. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The one barrier that gets in the way of worship being outside of a Sunday morning is right here inside your head. I'm going to tell you point blank, I want you to write this down. Whatever the mind dwells on, the heart will follow. And I believe that 120,000%, even though that's not a real number. Okay, there's no way to love anything 120,000%, but I'm telling you, that's, it's truth. Whatever you dwell on daily, whatever you're focused on all the time, that's where your heart's going to go. Whether you realize it or not, if you come in on a Sunday morning and you're like, ah, oh, this has been an awesome worship service. Man, I love it when Elsie sings that one song, and, and I love it when Emily sings that song, and I love when Tim makes fun of his kids in front of everybody. It's awesome. And then we walk out the door. And we just go back to being like everybody else. That doesn't sound like a living sacrifice. That sounds like we came to something that makes us feel good and then we leave. And we just keep on going on doing what we did before. Something has to change up here. Something has to change up here. And until that happens, until we get our minds off of other things, gossip, that's a big one. How many of y'all work at a place that you hear a lot of gossip during the week? Everybody's like kind of doing this thing. For real, like we hear gossip all the time at work. Gossip's a huge one. Politics right now, gosh, that's a huge one. Politics is massive right now. It is so stuck in people's brains that they, get, they come to church and they bring politics in here and it's hard to focus and it's hard to worship because we're so upset about things outside of this worship that we're talking about. But I'm going to tell you, there's one barrier to worship, and it's your mind. Let's get this thing straight, and then once we get this thing straight, then we can start looking at what it means to really worship. Now, I told you worship is not just music, so I want to tell you a few ways that we worship without singing, okay? And the very first one of those is one that has kind of been taken away from us a little bit. It's something that's biblical, that we're told to do, but if you do it, you feel like you're being some kind of new age weird hippie, and that's meditation. Now, when I mention meditation, I'm not talking about sitting with your legs crossed going like this and just going, oh. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Meditating on God's word. How many of you guys have ever done a year-long Bible? Anybody done the year-long Bible thing where you read through the Bible in a year? Let's all just be honest a little bit. There were probably many, many days where we got to the end of the day or two or three days late and we realized, I got to catch up, right? And you're reading it to catch up, but you're not really stopping and thinking about what you're reading while you're reading it 
because you're trying to fulfill a goal. Meditation turns that on its head and says, no, no, no. If I'm going to read God's word, I'm going to think about God's word. I'm going to meditate on God's word. What is God trying to say through me or to me through his word? Meditation is such a huge part of worship and how we follow what God wants for us. It says in Romans 12, the second half of 2 through verse 3, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace... Given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. How much time are we spending meditating on God's word? How often are we taking this renewing of our minds and putting it to work by looking at what God is trying to tell us and actually focusing on it and spending time on it? spending time in prayer over what we just read, coming to a sermon on a Sunday morning when some dude's up on stage telling you he's a worship leader but he hates music and meditating on what he's talking about. Do, do we take time and do that? Or is Sunday our worship? Is a service, a worship service, our worship? Do we come here, hear our nice thing, sing our nice music, and walk out the door? There's a church in England who has one of the most amazing worship leaders you've ever heard. His name is Matt Redman, and he's written a lot of songs that we have sung at Catalyst over the years. And that church that he was at was so well-known for the music that in some ways it had kind of become its own God. But people were so caught up with the music that that was their sole focus. That's all they cared about was this music that they were listening to. And so Matt Redman and the preacher at his church decided... We're cutting out all music for the next month. We're not going to sing a single song because we got to get our hearts right. Matt Redman actually says in his book, uh, The Unquenchable Worshiper, coming back to the heart of worship, he says, So often when my worship is dried up, it's because I haven't been fueling the fire. I haven't set aside any time to soak myself under the showers of God's revelation. Often, time is the key factor, but if we can find space to soak ourselves in God's word, his presence, his creation, and spend time with other believers, then we'll find that the revelation floods back into our lives, and our hearts will respond with a blaze of worship once more. Interesting thing happened after that month was over. While Matt was, was kind of dwelling on what's going on in his church and was praying about, God, what do we do next? He started to write some words down. He just wrote these words down. And then the Sunday that they decided they were going to do music again, he gets up on stage, and I believe it was just him and an acoustic guitar. He got up on the stage, and he sang these words. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll sing you more than a song because a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Worship isn't about musical expression, although musical expression can be worship. Worship is about a heart that's dwelling on God because the mind is dwelling on God. 
We take time to meditate on God's word and listen to God's word and focus on God's word. I can promise you Sunday morning worship times where we do this music will mean a whole lot more to you if you're doing the work during the week. If your week becomes a worship service, it's going to be amazing what happens when you show up on a Sunday when you're dwelling on and meditating on God's word. The next thing we read about, the next way that we worship, and I think you guys in here, I think you're going to like this, because I'm just going to shoot straight. I get to watch all of you when I lead worship. Don't be freaked out by that, by the way. But I get to watch all of you during worship, and I know guys don't necessarily like to sing as much as the women do, because you'll see the wife sitting there going, oh, Lord, I love you, singing, and the guy's going, He could be singing watermelon, watermelon for all I know because it's just like expressionless. My wife loves this part. When's the sermon getting here? You know, I mean, it's kind of like for a lot of guys, that's how it is. Now, some guys do love worship. I'm not discounting that. Some of you guys really love it. But on the whole, guys don't really get into it like the girls do. And so this next part, I want you to understand, this next part, I think, speaks to the heart of men. I think it will also speak to the hearts of women, too. Don't want to discount you ladies. But the next way that we can worship is through hard work. Hard work. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. But the one I want to focus on is if it's to serve, and serve. Guys, when we serve in the church, when we serve in our community, and we do it in Christ's name, it's worship. It's so much bigger than I mow the yard. I know it sounds crazy to think that mowing the yard could be worship, but it is when you're doing it for the church, and when you're doing it in a way where we make this place look beautiful and welcoming to people that come to this place. We've got people who can work on air conditioning units. We've got people who shake hands and usher people into the church and help them with whatever they need. We've got people that collect the offering and count the offering. We have this amazing tech team, and we've never done this before, and I think we need to do it right now. Can we give a hand to the tech team? Because they're awesome. And these poor camera people having to follow me all over the stage today, they really deserve it. Um, and the spotlight guy. Here's, here's the thing. We have a tech team that I believe is maybe a little bit more than 50% high school and college age people. Think about that. These are young people in the church serving. Without a sound guy, you don't hear any of this. Without the lighting people, you don't see any of this. Without the person working the computer, you don't know what words you're supposed to sing. These people are so important. And they do it so well that we don't have to notice them. It's worship because they're serving. And there are several of you in here right now that aren't doing anything. And I, 
All I want to say is find something. If you're a parent and you've got kids next door, I can promise you Jenny could use you. She would love to have you volunteering in the children's ministry. If you're someone who likes to push buttons and dials and play with toys, tech team would love you. If you have musical talent, we're having tryouts in August for the worship team. We'd love to have you join us on that. I'm telling you, worship isn't just singing. (laughs) Worship isn't just raising your hands. It's so much more. It's so much more. Uh, Oswald Chambers, he said, Worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him as a love gift. Take time to meditate before God and offer the blessing back to him in a deliberate act of worship. I'm going to tell you this truthfully. If we're taking time throughout the week and we are meditating on God's word, we're getting our mind right so that our heart will follow. When we serve, it's not hard to see it as worship. When we actually serve and we do things here in the church, we do things in our community, when we're talking to that person at work that doesn't know Christ, it's worship. And it's springing out from us because we realize the grace that we've been given through Jesus Christ. We realize how amazing the gift of Christ's resurrection was and the hope that we have. And we love it so much and we're so appreciative of it and our hearts are so pouring out into that that everything becomes worship. All that we do in every way that we serve. The third way that we worship the third way that we worship, and it's, it's not singing, is love. How do we love? You know, a lot of people, I actually taught on this when I was at a camp, a camp in Honduras uh, a few weeks ago, which was awesome. I know Laura's right back here. Great times getting to spend a week with Laura and all the kids at the camp. It was just incredible. But Romans 12 just kind of ended up being a theme for the whole week. And we talked about love. And these are missionary kids, so they know the Bible really well. I got in there and I said, we're going to talk about love today. And one of the kids goes, great, we're going to open up 1 Corinthians 13, right? Because that's, what we all, that's our go-to, right, when we talk about love. Those of you who are Bible-reading people, if you're, if you're new to the faith, if you're still kind of learning about this Christianity thing, 1 Corinthians 13 is the scripture they read at 99% of weddings. But Romans 12, I think, has the most beautiful picture of love that the Bible shows us. And I want to read that to you right now. We're going to start in verses 9, and we're going to go all the way through 21. I think this could be a sermon by itself. I could probably come here and just read this and walk off the stage. We'd be fine. Um, And some of you may actually enjoy that. But um, let's go ahead and read through this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Could you imagine if we all loved like that? If Catalyst was a church that, of people that that's how we all loved, we would blow the walls off this building. This community wouldn't know what to do because we'd be getting so much done. Because that kind of love, a love that doesn't have condition, a love that doesn't have to have a reason to love you, but a love that just loves because we're supposed to love is huge. My dad was a preacher for years, and I've talked about him before. Uh, and those of you who are new, my dad was a preacher for 30 some odd years before he passed away back in 2009 from cancer. And I remember coming back from Bible college one weekend. And because I was coming back from Bible college, I was obviously smarter than everybody at that point because I had had two months of Bible college teaching, which meant I was smarter than everyone. <laughs> I really thought I was. <laughs> so I came back and went to my dad's church. And uh, we're in the middle of the worship service. And I look around, and there's a lot of guys, a lot of people sitting there like this. People are singing, but they're kind of holding their hands. They're looking down at their music. They're not, they just didn't, they weren't engaged. And so after church, I went up to my dad. And I said, Dad, when are these people going to learn how to worship? Oh, folks. My dad was never good at being subtle. <laughs> he was never good at being subtle. My dad at that point lays into me with one of those classic Tom Kelly learning moments. He goes, I'm glad you can read minds. It's like, what? He goes, and I'm glad that you can read hearts. It's like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're the most arrogant person I've ever met in my entire life. What? He goes, how do you know they're not worshiping? Well, I said, Dad, look at their faces. He goes, okay. He goes, if that's how they've gone to church their whole life, then how do you know they're not worshiping? He goes, I'm going to tell you point blank. And he, named, he starts naming off people in the church. Her favorite song is, and we sang it today, she was on cloud nine because she came up to me after the service and thanked me for putting that in the song service. He said, so-and-so, name this older guy in the back, goes, he's not a very good singer, so he doesn't like to sing out loud and distract other people, but he loves listening to the people in the church sing, and that is worship for him. And he starts going down the line of all these people, and by the end, I felt like I was about this tall. Because I wasn't coming at it with love. I wasn't coming at it with grace. I was coming at it with do it the way I think you should do it. And there are a lot of people in the church big C that struggle with if you don't do it the way I do it, you're doing it wrong. There are a lot of people who come to a worship service and if you don't raise your hands and if you're not dancing and if you're not singing as loud as you can, you're obviously not worshiping. Well, I'm going to come back with that's garbage. 
You don't know the soul and the heart of the person next to you. You don't know what kind of week they had, and this just may be exactly what they need, and they can't bring themselves to sing because they lost a loved one. Life is beating them down, and all they need right now is just to hear people sing about Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, (laughs) Jesus is the one person we're all supposed to be like, right? That's why we're called Christians. We're supposed to be called Christians. In other words, little Christ's. Can I let you in on a little something that maybe nobody's ever told you before? There's no record of Jesus singing in the Bible. What do you do with that? Does that mean we shouldn't sing? No, no, because the Bible's got singing all over it. But Jesus, we have, I'm not saying he didn't sing. It's just not recorded in the Bible. It wasn't important enough of a thing that it needed to be recorded in the Bible. Yet, we like to wrap our heads around worship is the music. Worship is the music. Worship is the music. Can I ask you guys to rethink Sundays? That's what I want to ask today. I want us to rethink Sundays. I don't want to think Sunday as that's where I go to worship. I want you to think of Sundays as the launching pad for a week of worship. Can we start thinking of Sunday as the place we go to get started as opposed to being the place where that's where I worship and then I go out and I do my thing? Can we change the mindset? Can we love like this? The thing about a love like this, a love like this is infectious. A love like this steps out and when you see someone hurting, you want to help. When you see someone who needs Christ, you want to tell them about him. And one of my favorite parts of it, and the hardest part for all of us, this is hard for me, that's why I like it so much, because it beats me down a little bit when I read it. But it says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, when I read that the first time, when I read about that the first time, I probably think what many of you think. That's right, I'm going to kill him with kindness. I'm going to love him so much he hates it. It's going to heap burning coals on his head. I want to challenge that because that doesn't jive with anything else that's on this. Because it says, do not overcome evil by evil. If the only reason you're loving someone is to make them mad, are you really loving someone? See, we got to get past this like they and us thing. We got to get past this. I don't like you, you're my enemy, I can't love you. we got to get past that because we're commanded to. We're told to in God's word. We're told we need to love unconditionally. We're told we need to love in such a way that we honor God and we actually live like Christ. But that can't happen if we allow different things to get in the way. We can't allow that to happen if, well, you said this about me. Or you divorced my best friend, and so we're no longer friends. You can't do this if, oh, you're the other political party. We can't just write people off because that's not what we're told to do, and that's not worship. Because remember, he starts this whole thing off by saying, give your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Guys, I love Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. And everything I'm saying is not discounting Sunday mornings. I just want Sunday mornings to have the right role, not the wrong one. Because when Sunday becomes that only place where we come to worship God, and that Sunday worship service, that song part, is the only place where we worship, that's not good. we got to change that. That mindset's got to be different. we got to get beyond that and move into a lifestyle where we get the mind focused on God so that the heart will follow Meditate on the word of God. Truly meditate on it. Sit down with it. Read it. Read it again. Read it again. Pray over it. Talk about it with your friends. Parents, if there's one thing I can beg of you, parents, have biblical discussions in front of your kids. Please. Because they're not going to have those at school. They're not going to have that hanging out with their friends. But if mom and dad are actively in the word and mom and dad are actively talking about the word of God in front of their kids, you will be shocked at how much of an impact that will have on their lives. Even if it's over their head, that's okay. They know it's a value for their parents. And I'm telling you, when you do that and you teach your kids what it means to meditate on God's word, you're not only worshiping yourself, but you're teaching kids, you're teaching your children, this is what worship should be. I know some of you, the Bible confuses you. The Bible scares you a little bit. Don't be scared of God's word. Open it up and read it. If something confuses you, ask somebody who knows more than you do. There's nothing wrong with that. Call me. I'll talk to you about the Bible all day long. Just ask Adam Tipton. I mean, how many conversations over the years, Adam, have we had where we talked about Bible stuff? And more than we can count. That's one thing my wife, when I, when I asked her if she wanted to go out, can I tell you just real, I got time, so I'm going to tell you a funny story. This really has nothing to do with my sermon. Um, but my wife, Rhea, and I had tried to date one other time. It ended poorly. <laughs> Did not go well. We thought we'd never date again. That was the end of it. We'll just be friends. Um, she was better at the friend thing than I was, but we're going to be friends. So we started hanging out, and I had pretty much had it in my head I was going to marry her at this point. And uh, so she was looking for a house to buy, and I was going along with her, and we were checking out these houses where she was looking at. And we pulled into my driveway, and she's there to drop me off. And she looks at me, and she says, John, or I look at her, and I say, Rhea, do you believe that people should have second chances? And she thought I was having like this deep biblical moment. And she goes, yeah, I think people, people need to have second chances. And I said, well, what about you and me? Do you think we deserve a second chance? And she responds with, are you going to try this time? <laughs> I actually, I, I say that because how many times do we ask God for second chances and God's looking at us go, are you going to try this time? You keep saying you want, the, you want to do over, you want to do this again, but are you really going to try Are you going to live a life of worship? Are you going to take every day and every moment and turn it towards me? Or am I relegated to five songs and a sermon? We've got to figure this out, folks. We've got to figure out that worship is not just singing. Singing can be worship. Prayer can be worship. But also, your work 
can be worship. Your service can be worship. Meditation can be worship, and the way you love can be worship. And that's why our main thing today is we cheapen worship when we limit it to a weekly song service. Let's get better at this. This is something actually we can get better at, but it takes us to do it. We have to choose to take worship away from just Sunday morning and spread it out throughout the week. Living lives that are more sold out to God, living lives that see everything we do as representing him. And so my prayer for you this week, my prayer for you this week is that today is a launching pad. Today is not worship. We worship, but this isn't the only time this week. This is the beginning of a week-long worship service that starts over next Sunday. Can we do that? Can we step out of this mindset of Sunday morning being the end-all, be-all? And can we get out of the mindset that we come here because this is where I worship? You can worship in your car. You can worship in your living room. You can worship walking on a hiking trail. You can worship while you're working. Worship can happen anywhere, and it should. And so my challenge is live a life of worship. Don't allow yourselves to get caught up in this, this limited mindset of something that's so much bigger and so much greater. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you.